Well, hello all and welcome to Markham's latest podcast episode. I'm Louise Kirk, part of Markham Team in Australia, and it's great to have you listening today. Today, we're thinking about the invisible strength of a great team. And joining us virtually from Auckland is our special guest, Ambrose Blowfield. Ambrose holds a double honours bilingual degree in international business with French and authored the Authority Guide to Writing and Implementing a Marketing Plan. He currently offers world-class personalised sales and sales manager training through his business, salesmasterycompany.com. Welcome aboard, Ambrose, and tell us about yourself and your experience in working with great teams. Uh, thanks, Louise. Uh, love this topic, by the way. So good on Markham and yourself for <laughs> picking this topic. Um, for me, when I look at teams, I was very fortunate. The, the school I went to uh, performed um, at a sporting level at, at sort of national finals type events. So I got exposure to it uh, sporting very young. And then for me, I guess the key moment of seeing what a world-class team looks like was joining Procter & Gamble in the UK, uh, them being the people who manufacture Pantene shampoo and Head and & Shoulders and Max Factor and CoverGirl and all of Ule and, and Gillette. And they are absolutely a world-class team from particularly a sales perspective, but actually at a global level. The challenge that Procter & Gamble have being a large corporate is how do they apply those team skills at a small level right across 30 or 40,000 workers worldwide? And what we did is we took the, the lessons I learned from that and we've applied it to coaching, uh, particularly sales teams, but also business owners and the director teams uh, worldwide to, to the tune of several thousand clients in the last 17 years. Oh, very good. Thank you. Ambrose, thinking about strength in teams, what is it that makes a team pull together? What motivates that? That's a really great question. And I, I like your wording around the, the pulling together. I think to me, Louise, that there's a few key things you've got to get absolutely right. Um, one is you've got to be clear around the vision and the goals, i.e. the purpose that the team is moving towards. So whether that's a World Cup, whether it's an Olympic medal, or whether it's just achieving sales targets or even achieving business growth, you've got to have an absolute clear vision that every member of the team can articulate and feel like they can contribute towards. So that to me is the critical one. The other one that a lot of people overlook is accountability. And that's quite a scary topic when I raise it because a lot of people, whether it was at school or at home or in the work environment, when held to account, it's often done in a very harsh way. So what I say, we need accountability to have a team gel and really align themselves. It's making sure they can hold themselves and each other accountable for the promises they make. And if you aren't able to do that, you're always going to struggle to get team alignment to achieve the overall uh, vision and goal, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Sometimes it seems to be an unlikely mix of people that achieve great things. Do you have any absolutely. thoughts on why that would be? Yeah, absolutely. So I think if I was to comment on that, and again, I appreciate this comment. If I was to go back 100 years to one of my favorite topics of all time, which is Antarctic exploration. And I look at my greatest hero growing up of Sir Ernest Shackleton, who took a team of real oddbods, so to speak. He, took, he did an advert in a local newspaper in London saying, you know, you know chance of death high, total remoteness, <laughs> chance of success low. And he was looking for the right people for his team. And he literally took 28 people to the harshest conditions in the world at the time, at the start of World War II, and then if most people understand the story of Ernest Shackleton trying to cross Antarctica, you know, their boat was beset in the ice and the sea ice and it got crushed. And there they were essentially in, in a bunch 
of small little lifeboats, miles and miles and miles from everywhere. And I think to me, the fact that they were an odd mix meant that everybody contributed. And I've read so much about that one story. I think it's the harshest environment pretty much any human can physically put themselves in, especially a hundred years ago. And it shows that if you, again, if you've got clear vision around what we're trying to do in their case, it moved to rather than crossing Antarctica, the vision then became about our survival. And he managed to lead all 28 out, but they each contributed their, their aspect or their role. They each had different skills. And I think it's important in any team, especially if you are a mix, is to make sure you leverage off each other's natural strengths, but also each other's personality, which is something we do a lot in that sort of sales and business coaching, uh, particularly is everybody's subtly different and they need to be communicated and motivated different, if that makes sense. Absolutely, and that's an amazing story. On the flip side, what are the things in your mind that might hold a team back? Now, that's a good one. I guess, obviously, the absence of what I've talked about. So, you know, the absence of, of a clear vision. I think the absence of a clear culture as a team. So when I talk clear culture, I'm talking about some principles and values that the leader and every member of the team adhere to. So one of my favorite teams in the world, and I appreciate your being on, in Australia and I'm in New Zealand having married a Kiwi, I massively respect the All Blacks simply because the culture that they've created based around the culture of humility causes their team to seem to work hard consistently, which is why their win ratio over a century is something ridiculous such as 78%. And the next best international team in rugby, uh, the Springboks, and I think their win ratios are more likely... I think it's 63% or something. So it's a huge difference from first to second. And when people look at the Springboks team, they would hardly define them as humble by nature. It's just not ingrained into the culture team, but the All Blacks are. So to me, you've got to have a really strong culture based on almost the power of beliefs, but certainly principles. And then if I could comment on the, I guess my first recommendation for any good team is to have accountability. I often see teams waver where there are no consequences for underperformance. And it's no different to a family situation with parents to children. If there's no consequence for underperformance, then why wouldn't someone underperform all of the time? And I see people getting very, I guess, wary later on um, if they haven't got consequence for underperformance. That's an interesting explanation. Thank you. Um, if things aren't going well, how can we pull together as a t and turn a team around? So, so I love that. So there's a few things I, would, I guess I'll comment on for that. The first one is it partly depends on the leader and it partly depends on the leader's personality or behavioral profile as to what they're likely to do. So if they're a dominant profile, then they're typically going to say, right, guys, come on, let's fight. Let's dig ourselves out of the trenches. And as a leader, they'll tend to inspire, though it might be coupled with a degree of threat. They might even say something along the lines of, and if we don't, then this is what the consequence is going to be. You're going to lose your job or we're going to lose our business or miss this project. So the dominant leader will often revert back to that sort of fight, more of an aggressive mm -hmm. type approach. Now that's going to work fine if the team are, are prepared to be motivated to move away from the pain of losing their job or losing that project. Whereas somebody who's an influence profile will tell to galvanize people with inspiration. So be like, right, come on, guys, we can absolutely do this. Well, it's one for all and all for one, and let's go make this happen. And they'll be very motivating in the approach. And that's going to work very well if members of their team are influence profile people or even steady profile people. So 
people, people. But that sort of galvanizing suggest, um, suggestion isn't really going to motivate the dominant people because they like a fight. And then if you slide down to the quieter managers of more that steady or compliance profile, those people are not going to sort of galvanize the tubes. They'll be more methodical around it. So they would calmly sit down with the team and go, okay, guys, where are we today? Let's be honest about it. Cards on the table. Where are we today? Where do we need to get to? And what a steady or compliance profile leader will tend to do is they'll talk about the reasons why we want to move towards it. And they'll deliver it in a very sort of soft manner. So on the one side, you need to look at the leader. On the other side, which I believe in business, Louise, in particular, this is underutilized, is you need to create a buddy system. So what I mean by that is, if you think about scuba diving or somebody going underneath the ocean, you're not allowed to dive by yourself. Why? Because if you have a problem, you lean on the person next to you. Well, what you've just described when the team underperforms is we have a problem. And the leader, yes, they need to set the scene of what we're trying to do. But from a day-to-day accountability perspective, you're better off buddying up two staff members who monitor each other's performance almost in a half, you know, half-day perspective, maybe not hourly, but every half a day of what activity do we need to do to dig ourselves out of the hole? And that's going to be easier peer-to-peer rather than superior manager to subordinate. In the same way at school, peer pressure is often more powerful and more motivating, or for that matter, demotivating at school than having the school principal or the school teacher try to galvanize long-term behavior. Yeah, so it's interesting, the combination of different strengths actually go towards forming um, a great team. That's so good, Ambrose. And how can our listeners connect, connect with you and if they want to find out more? Well, as you know, Louise, giving is one of our core principles or, or values um, in our business. So aside from people connecting with me as Ambrose Blowfield on LinkedIn, the best single thing they could do, particularly in trying to grow a business or, or grow their, their team, is to reach out to us on salesmasterycompany.com forward, forward slash podcast. And we've got a great free tool uh, to give people free tips and free advice to, to grow their confidence and grow their skills um, absolutely free of charge. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Ambrose. It's been brilliant to hear your knowledge of the subject. Um, We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And to all our listeners, we welcome any questions or feedback on today's topic. We are also happy to take suggestions for topics in the future. What are your concrete pain points in the field? And how can we help educate the industry? Thank you so much for listening and don't miss our next episodes.